رَبَّنَا O our Lord إِنَّكَ indeed you مَن تُدْخِلِ النَّارَ Whoever you admit into the fire فَقَدْ أَخْزَيْتَ Then in fact you have humiliated him. وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَابِ And there is no helper for who? For those people who do zulm. Who says this? Ulul albab, those who reflect, those who remember Allah, those who are intelligent, they pray to Allah, they take refuge with Him from the fire, and they say that, Oh Allah, we don't want to go in the fire, because whoever you put into the fire, then in fact you have humiliated Him. Akhzayta. Akhzayta is from what? Khizyun. Humiliation. Meaning whoever is admitted into the fire, then he is humiliated. He has lost all honor. All respect. He is worth nothing. And those who enter the hellfire, the wrongdoers, they will have no helpers on that day. Just imagine, on the day of judgment, if someone is thrown into the fire, then that is the worst humiliation for them. It's the worst humiliation for them. Imagine that you're sitting in a gathering. Your friends are there, your relatives are there, even some strangers, people whom you've met for the first time. All sorts of people are there. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up to you randomly and they slap you across your face. Yes, you are physically hurt, okay. But more than that, you feel humiliated. Isn't it so? You feel as though you have been insulted. And yes, you have been humiliated that somebody hurt you in public. If someone yells at you, your sibling, your spouse, your child, your parent, if they yell at you in public, in front of your friend, in front of your teacher, then how do we feel? Humiliated. And we say to them, please don't talk to me like that in front of others again. Don't talk to me like that again. Don't insult me like that again. We feel humiliated. Imagine on the day of judgment, if someone is brought in front of everybody and thrown into the fire, isn't that humiliation? Isn't that disgrace? It's the worst disgrace. And one is that a person is being hurt physically at a very small level. And the other is that he's being thrown into something, being treated like garbage, being treated like firewood being treated like trash, something that is thrown into the fire, that I have no value, no respect, nothing today. فَقَدْ أَخْزَيْتَ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ And such people will have no helpers on that day. So those who have intellect, they worry about honor where? In the hereafter. They worry about humiliation in the hereafter. So they're not concerned about impressing people or just having a good image before them. No, they're worried about their image on the day of judgment. And for that, what is needed? Sincerity is needed, action is needed, effort is needed, forgiveness is needed. So they strive for all of this so that they can be saved from humiliation in the hereafter. Think about it. If you are given your exam back and you have a big D on it, a big red D on it, and it says fail. If you're given that test paper back, in front of your class, what will you do? Show it to everybody. Leave it up on your desk so that people can see it. No, you would just fold it quickly, slip it into your bag and walk out of the class so that nobody asks you, nobody sees you. And the moment somebody asks you later on, you change the topic. You don't want to talk about it. And if there is a teacher 
who announces the marks from the highest to the lowest, to the lowest to the highest in front of the whole class that so-and-so got these many numbers and so-and-so scored this much. It could be a source of pride for some and a source of great humiliation for others. And this is just the dunya. This is just the dunya. And this is temporary. You could be humiliated one day and the next moment or the next day you could be honored. Someone insults you in public, comes and slaps you across your face in front of everybody. And yes, you're humiliated, but then 10 people get up and they come against the person who hurt you. So all of a sudden, your disgrace turned into honor. This is dunya. Because the disgrace of the dunya is temporary. A person could be humiliated in this world, but as death approaches him, he could be at a much higher level. Much higher level. He could be in iliyin. So, the reality is that the honor of the hereafter, the disgrace of the hereafter, this should be our main concern. Rabbana, O our Lord, innana samirna, indeed we have heard. Munadiyan, a caller. Munadi is who? Someone who does nida, nundalia, someone who calls out. So we have heard a caller that was yunadi, that was calling to what? Lil iman, to iman. We heard someone calling us to iman. And aminu bi rabbikum, telling us that we should believe in our Lord. And aminu bi rabbikum, that believe in your Lord, O people. So we heard someone calling that, O people, believe in your Lord. So the ulul albab, when they heard someone calling them, believe in Allah, the one who created you, the one who owns you, the one who sustains you, and that's perfectly logical, completely logical. So what is the response of those who have intellect? Their response is, فَآمَنَّا So we believed. Because it makes complete sense to believe in your Lord. The one who has made you, it makes sense to believe in Him. The one who provides you, makes sense to believe in Him. So we heard someone calling us, believe. Someone told us, someone asked us to believe. So Allah, we responded, we believed right away. Now Munadi over here, the caller, who is that? Muhammad wasallam. Some people heard his call directly. Abdullah bin Salam, he says that when the Prophet ﷺ arrived in Medina, there were some words that he said. And what were those words? That, oh people, spread the greeting, okay? Give food to the people and pray in the night and you will enter Jannah in peace. Okay? So he heard the call of the Prophet ﷺ himself. There were many people who heard the call of the Prophet ﷺ, inviting them to believe, asking them to believe. And what was the reaction of Ulul Albab? They said, Amanna, we believe. They believe because it was completely logical. So those who have the right kind of intellect, the right kind of mind, they believe. They believe, they accept, they surrender. Because that intellect leads them to understanding the greatness of Allah. When they understand the greatness of Allah, then there's nothing to do but to submit. So فَآمَنَّا And other people, they didn't hear the call directly from Muhammad ﷺ, but they heard the call from his heirs. And who are the heirs of the Prophet? Those who? Those who learned the deen, the ulama. فَآمَنَّا So we believed, رَبَّنَا O our Lord, فَغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا Since we have believed, so please forgive us our sins. وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا And expiate from us our evils. Two things have been mentioned over here. That forgive us our dhunub and كَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا 
ذنوب and سيئات two words have been used for sin and مغفرة and تكفير two words have been used for forgiveness ذنوب is a plural of ذنب what does ذنب mean? sin سيئات is a plural of سيئة what does سيئة mean? sin what's the difference? it is said that when both of these words come together then ذنوب ذنوب refers to those sins which are major which are major major sins like for example shirk okay why because major sins are only forgiven when a person asks allah for forgiveness when a person repents and asks allah for forgiveness so they say faghfir lana dhunubana they're asking for maghfira for dhunub because they're major sins and what is maghfira by the way maghfira is satru dham wat tajawuz anhu with the concealing of sin and being pardoned for it that a sin is hidden allah covers it allah doesn't expose it allah doesn't let a person suffer its consequences and then he forgives a person for it completely doesn't hold him accountable doesn't punish him neither in this world nor in the hereafter so faghfir lana dhunubana sayyiat on the other hand refers to minor sins and this is the reason why Kafir has been said. Kafir is from kafara. What does kafara literally mean? To cover. Okay? And kafara, you kafiru takfir is basically to wipe off. Because when something is covered, it is hidden. When something is wiped off, it is erased, it's hidden, meaning it's unknown. You never know that something was written there. Something was marked over there because it has been removed. So kafir anna sayyiatina, meaning Erase our sins by what? By virtue of our good deeds. And this is the reason why sayyat refers to minor sins. Because minor sins are forgiven by what? By the performance of good deeds. Because good deeds, they erase bad deeds. But for major sins, you need to ask Allah for forgiveness. So they ask for both. All kinds of sins. All kind of forgiveness. فَغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا وَتَوَفَّنَا And recall us. Take us fully. Meaning, give us death. مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ With the righteous. It doesn't mean that make us die in the company of the righteous. So all the righteous are being given death at the same time. So make us of that group and all those people die at the same time collectively no this is not the meaning ma'al abrar with the abrar with over here doesn't refer to zaman meaning time but it refers to musahaba meaning make us of those people that when we die we join them when we die we become a part of their group that after we die gather our souls with theirs because when a righteous person dies then where does his soul go? In their illiyin. And then when another righteous person die, where does his soul go? In their illiyin. Even if there's a gap of a thousand years between the death of those two individuals. But eventually they will be gathered together. Okay, their souls will be together. And eventually in Jannah, the souls of the righteous will be together. Even if they lived thousands of years apart in the world. This is the reason why Yusuf a.s. He made the du'a, تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا وَأَلْحِقْنِي بِالصَّالِحِينَ Join me with the righteous. So, وَتَوَفَّنَا مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ Keep us in a good state in this world, and when we die, make us of the righteous ones. And who are abrar? Abrar is the plural of bar. 
And who is bar? Someone who does a lot of bir, kathirul khairat. Someone who does a lot of righteous deeds. So very, very righteous. So make us of the company of who? The righteous ones. So what do we learn in these verses? First of all, we see that we should acknowledge and mention the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do the ulul albab say? That, oh Allah, we heard a caller calling us to iman, so we believed. Iman is a blessing. And we should thank Allah for the blessing of iman by talking about it. We should thank Allah for the blessing of guidance by talking about it, by mentioning it. وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ Mention it. And if a person does so, if a person mentions the blessing of iman, the blessing of guidance, not for the purpose of showing off, then it's perfectly fine. Okay? Then we also learn over here that the call of the messenger was towards iman. The messenger called people to what? Iman. Iman in who? In Allah. So when we call people, we should also call them to who? Allah. Believing in Allah. Connecting with Allah. And aminu birabbikum. And obviously, the details of iman have not been mentioned over here. So, it doesn't mean that the messenger just told people, believe in Allah and that's sufficient. You don't have to believe in the angels, you don't have to believe in the day of judgment. No, this is not what the implication is. Obviously, it's understood that if a person believes in Allah, then he will believe in everything that Allah has told him of. Right? Then we also learn from this ayah about the permissibility of tawassul. When making dua. That when a person is making dua, then he can ask Allah that by virtue of his good deeds, Allah accepts his dua. Because over here, what do they say? That we believed, فَغْفِرْ لَنَا That, oh Allah, since we have believed, so please forgive us. So likewise, if a person is making dua, person says, oh Allah, I'm giving this much money in charity, so please help me. Oh Allah, I'm forgiving this person, so please forgive me. Oh Allah, I'm helping this person, so please help me. Is it okay to make such dua? It's perfectly fine. Likewise, if a person says, Oh Allah, you are the merciful, so please have mercy on me. Oh Allah, I have sinned, so please forgive me. So a person can mention Allah's attributes, a person can mention the actions of Allah. A person can mention his own sins, his own good deeds, in order to invite Allah's mercy. So that the dua is accepted or rejected? Accepted. Okay? وَتَوَفَّنَا مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ رَبَّنَا O our Lord, وَآتِنَا And give us مَا وَعَدْتَنَا عَلَى رُسُولِكَ That which you have promised us through your messengers. Meaning, O oh our Lord, whatever that you have promised us through your messengers, then please grant that to us. What is it that Allah has promised the righteous, the believing ones, through the messengers? Meaning, all messengers, what message do they bring? That if a person believes, if a person is righteous, what does Allah promise him? Jannah. What else does Allah promise him? Forgiveness. What else does Allah promise him? Good in this life. Correct? Like in the Quran we learn that وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ That Allah has promised those who believe and do righteous among you that He will give them authority upon the earth. That's good in this life. 
Likewise, Allah has promised Jannah in Surah Tawbah, Ayah 72. وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ جَنَّاتِ Allah has promised the believing men and women, Jannat. Allah has promised that. So, O oh Allah, whatever that you have promised us, please give that to us. وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Look at their concern. O oh our Lord, don't humiliate us on the Day of Judgment. That we think you are going to reward us, but there is only punishment awaiting us. That we think our good deeds are going to be accepted, but because of the lack of sincerity, they are rejected. You all know about the hadith in which we learn that a man will be brought on the Day of Judgment who used to recite Qur'an. And Allah will remind him of the favors that He bestowed on him. And Allah will ask him, what did you do? And the person will say, I recited your book for you. And Allah will say, you are lying. You didn't do it for me. You did it so that you would be appreciated. And the people would say, oh, what a reciter. So you were called, you were appreciated by people, and now you have nothing, and that person will be thrown into the fire of hell. This is humiliation. So, وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Don't humiliate us on the day of judgment. And this does not mean that Allah is being unfair with the people. No, if Allah is rejecting someone's good deeds, then it's for a reason. They were not done for Him. So in other words, by this dua we are asking Allah for what? For sincerity. That, oh Allah, keep us sincere. وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِعَادِ Indeed, you do not go against the promise. مِعَادِ وَوْعِنْدَالِ You don't go against the appointment. Meaning, any promise that you've made, you don't go against it. Meaning, you don't fail to keep it. Who fails to keep a promise? Who? What is it that makes a person not fulfill his promise? There are mainly two reasons. First of all, insincerity, treachery, lying, deceit, that a person was never sincere. And even though he decided that okay, he was going to fulfill it, but then he didn't want to, so he deceived the other. Okay? So treachery, deceit. What's another reason? Inability. Right? One is deceit, and the other is inability. And Allah is above these two weaknesses. Allah is not insincere. Na'udhu Billah, He is not treacherous. No. And secondly, He is not unable. So when Allah makes a promise, then He fulfills it. If Allah makes a promise, then He fulfills it. Now the question is, why do they say, إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِعَادِ Wallah, you don't go against the promise. Why do they say this? What's the point? It's as though they can't wait for the reward. It's as though they can't wait for it. You know, they're craving it, they desire it so much that they want to get it quickly. So they say, oh Allah, you don't go against your promise. And it's like, you know, they're assuring themselves that if your mother or your teacher says that if you do this, this is the reward you'll get, and you do it, then you go to your teacher, you go to your mother and say, remember you said that if I do this, you'll get me a cell phone? So I did it. Right? Remember you said that if I did this, you could take me? I'm done. Let's go. You know, it shows how keen you are to get it. So, إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ And they mention this as a reason for their asking him. That, oh Allah, we ask you because you have promised us. Right? And you don't go against your promise. So this is why we ask you. So the one of understanding is the one who reflects on the universe. He has iman and his entire thinking changes. He is concerned about the hereafter. He's not concerned about this dunya. He desires to go to Jannah. And he wants protection from the fire. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. 
So their Lord responded to them. Those who have intellect, who believe, who submit, who beg Allah, then Allah also responds to them. What's the response that He gives? That anni, that indeed I la udiru, I do not waste from dadiyain, diyar to waste something, to not give any value to it. I do not waste amala, the work of amilin, of a doer, of a worker, min come from you, min zakarin, whether male, au unsa or female. If there's any individual, regardless of their gender, male or female, if they do some amal, and this amal could be a lot or a little, it doesn't matter how much it is. If anyone does something, what does Allah say? That He does not waste their effort. He does not waste their work. So what does that mean? That He rewards them for it in the most perfect way, in the best way, he appreciates. He doesn't just reward a person for the final outcome of his action, but he also rewards a person for the effort that he has put in. Any amal, a lot or a little, he rewards. And this is regardless of the gender of the person. Because بَعْضُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْضُ Some of you are from others. You are of one another. All of you are children of Adam. So what if a person is a man? So what if a person is a woman? At the end of the day, you are human being. So if a man prays zuhr and a woman prays zuhr, both of them pray, both of them do the same action, both of them get the same reward. Just because a person is a woman, she will not get more reward. Or just because a person is a man, does not mean they will get more reward. Gender does not matter. When it comes to good deeds, when it comes to dua, Allah hears men, He hears women. He accepts the good deeds of men and He also accepts the good deeds of women. So at the end of the day, what should our focus be on? On our performance, on our actions, on doing something. Because unfortunately, we're lost in this competition. You know that we are as though competing against men, proving ourselves to be better or greater or more worthy. But this is not the focus. The focus should be actions that Allah will accept. Because Allah accepts from men and women. فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا So those people who do hijrah. هَاجَرُوا hijrah. And remember there are three kinds of hijrah. One is to leave sin. Because hijrah is basically to leave something and go elsewhere. To leave a place and go elsewhere. So one kind of hijrah is to leave sin. 
and do good instead. A person has a bad habit, he does hijrah from it, meaning he leaves that bad habit behind. He leaves it, he stops doing it. It's become history now. He moves on from it. Another kind of hijrah is that when a person leaves the place of kufr and goes to the place of Islam. A place of kufr where he's not allowed to practice his faith. There's no freedom. He can't pray, he can't express you know, his religion, nothing like that. He has a lot of restrictions. So if he cannot practice his religion, then what should he do? He should go to a place where he can practice. Like the Muslims migrated from Mecca to Medina. The third kind of hijrah is to leave the place of fitna, the place of sin, the place of temptation, and to go to a place where a person can remain steadfast. So for example, a person could be in a Muslim country, in a perfectly Muslim environment, but he feels that if I'm amongst these people, then I become sinful like them too. Because they apparently wear hijab, but they backbite a lot. So I end up doing the same thing. They have Muslim names, but they do all sorts of wrong things. So I forget. I also become like them. And if a person feels that they're unable to survive over there, their iman is in danger, their deen is in danger, then they do hijrah. They leave that place and go to a place where their iman is safe. And many times you will see that a Muslim country, you find it difficult to practice But in our Muslim country, you find it easier to practice. Are many of you in agreement with me over this? Yes. So remember, hijrah is not just going from a non-Muslim country to a Muslim country. Because some people think, oh, you should not be living in Canada. It's haram. You should not be living in the States. Haram. You should go to Saudi. You should go to Egypt. You should go to Pakistan. You should go, Allahu alam where. But the fact is that a person should live where practicing his faith is possible. And alhamdulillah, that we have the freedom of religion over here. That you can practice your faith. But if a person feels that they're not able to, that's a different story. But where you can, you're not obligated to move from there. And put yourself in hardship and put your family in hardship. This is not something that's obligated on you. So anyway, فَالَّذِينَ hajaru. If someone is in a state where they're not able to practice their faith, and they leave that place and go elsewhere, this is a big decision. Have you ever moved houses? How difficult is it? Very difficult. I'm sure many of you have moved from one country to another, even that is so difficult. So imagine leaving a place, going somewhere else, not because you're getting a better job, Not because the weather is nicer. Not because you have friends and relatives over there. Not because you grew up in that place. No, because you cannot practice your faith anymore. There is a danger to your iman. So you decide to leave everything and go somewhere else. This is a very difficult decision. A very, very difficult decision. We see that if a person has moved from one house to another, they miss their neighborhood. Isn't it so? If you have moved from one city to another, or from one side of the city to the other side of the city, you miss your old neighborhood, you miss your school. Isn't it? You miss your school, you miss your friends, you're just so used to it. You feel as if you belong there. And the new place, you feel isolated, you feel awkward, you don't know anybody, you feel like a stranger, you're alone, you have no friends. It's a very difficult thing to move from one place to another. But if it's for worldly reasons... It's easier to accept, right? Because people say, oh, you know, we're in a bigger house now, so it's okay. Or, you know, we're in a far better location now. Right? Your dad is making more money. Your brother is getting to study. So you're like, okay, never mind. But 
if you're doing hijrah just for the cause of the deen, and in fact in that process you suffer financially, you suffer at various levels, it's much more hard. But Allah appreciates this. فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَأُخْرِجُوا مِن دِيَارِهِمْ And they're driven out of their homes. أُخْرِجُوا مِن دِيَارِهِمْ دِيَارِ plural of دَاب What does this mean? That when a person is not allowed to stay somewhere, where life has become so difficult that he is driven out. This could be in two ways. One is that literally he's told, you can't stay here anymore. You have to leave. You have to leave. A person is told, if you stay here, you'll be finished. Your property will be confiscated. You'll be put behind bars. You have to leave. أُخْرِجُوا They are driven. And the other way of أُخْرِجُوا is what? That life is made so difficult for a person that they are forced to leave. Like the Muslims in Mecca. Many Muslims, they were not told by people that leave from here. But life was made so difficult for them, they had no choice but to leave. وَأُخْرِجُوا مِن دِيَارِهِمْ And both of these are very difficult. Hijrah and being driven out of your house. Extremely difficult. وَأُوذُوا فِي سَبِيلِي And they were hurt in my way. They suffered. They got hurt. In whose way? In the way of Allah. People hurt them through their words, through their remarks, through their comments, through false propaganda, even physical hurt. Why? Because they were in the way of Allah. Like the Prophet ﷺ, he suffered hurt. Did he? Yes. For example, when he was praying in the haram, and one of the mushrikeen men, he came, and he put the placenta of a camel on top of him while he was in sujood. Imagine, something so foul-smelling, so heavy, so filthy. It was placed on top of him while he was praying, and he couldn't get up because of how heavy it was. He was hurt in the way of Allah. So those people who were hurt in Allah's way, and they fight and they are fought, meaning they kill and they are killed, like at Uhud. So many companions, they were killed. Allah says, Their efforts are not going to go waste. I will definitely, definitely remove from them their sins. I will wipe off their sins because of their good deeds, because of their suffering, because of their hijrah. What will Allah do? He will wipe away their sins. And instead, wala أُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ And surely I will definitely admit them into where? Jannatin, gardens. تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ Underneath which rivers flow. And all of this is what? ثَوَابًا مِنْ عِنْدِ As a reward from Allah. This is reward from Allah. وَاللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ And Allah, He has حُسْنُ الثَّوَابِ The most excellent reward. Meaning, Allah only has the best reward. You can only expect the best reward, the most perfect, the most beautiful recompense from Him. If somebody rewards you for some work that you do, you are curious. You're in that suspense that I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's going to be something good or something just like that. You know how some people, they just keep you in suspense. They're like, you know what, I have something. I have something for you, but I'm not going to tell you. I'll show you when I come back. And it could be anything from something that's made of gold to a small chocolate bar. Right? You can expect this from people. Sometimes you're expecting something so big from someone. You feel that I've graduated from university, I've graduated from high school. I mean, my siblings better give me something really valuable. 
But what do they bring you? A cup. We're like, really? That's it? Or your parents? You're expecting some reward from them. Every day you're like going with a big smile and nothing, 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 no reward, nothing. And you're like, my parents don't appreciate me. My siblings don't care about me. I did this, I did this, I did this. My husband doesn't love me. Because people, they sometimes give good reward and sometimes they don't give any reward. And sometimes the reward that they give becomes a burden on you. Because you have to take care of another cup now. Right? But the reward that Allah gives, what is that? Husn. It is the most excellent. Because what is it? It is Jannah. And in Jannah, you know what? If you're given something, you won't have to do anything to take care of it. If somebody gives you, if you have gold jewelry, you're constantly worried about it. Is it in the locker? Is it safe? Is it at home? Is it you know, locked somewhere? Is it kept safe? You're constantly worried. And then you have to clean it, and you have to maintain it, and you have to make sure it's not losing its value. And you know, so many things you're concerned about. It becomes a burden on you. But in Jannah, people will be adorned by others. They will not have to put that jewelry on themselves. Imagine. In Jannah, you won't have to do anything. Wallahu indahu husnu thawab. The most excellent reward. If you get a big house, on the one hand, amazing that my husband or my family, they're so good, they're giving me such a huge house. But on the other hand, you also have to take care of it. You're also burdened with the responsibility of maintaining the house. Correct? So the dunya is such. It cannot be husnul thawab. Husnul thawab is where? Only with Allah, only in Jannah. So what should we aim for? Aim for that reward. Reach out for that reward. But it is for who? Those who do nothing? Those who compromise on their faith? No. Five things are mentioned over here. Five characteristics. What are they? First of all, فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا Alhamdulillah, you're living in a place where you have the freedom to practice your religion. But you could be in a situation where doing good is difficult. You could be surrounded by some individuals, whether they're family or their friends, where practicing something good is difficult. You could be suffering this test from yourself that you have a bad habit. So do hijrah from it. Leave it. You have to draw closer to Allah. And you know what hijrah is basically? That you're leaving what is holding you back from Allah. Whether it's a place or a person or a habit, you're leaving it behind. And you're drawing closer to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this hijrah is necessary for this husn thawab وَأُخْرِجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ Alhamdulillah, we don't have to suffer that. وَأُوذُوا فِي سَبِيلِي Suffering in the path of Allah. Is that something that happens? Suffering in the way of Allah? Is that something that happens? Did any one of you miss their breakfast this morning? Yeah? I think I heard a yes here and there. Hmm? You did. Because you have to get up and take care of the whole family and by the time you're able to sit down and take your own breakfast, you have to get ready to leave. And then what do you say? It's okay, later. I'll just grab this cup of tea, I'll just grab this cookie, I'll just grab this half a toast that my son didn't eat and I'll just survive on that until after class. This is suffering in the way of Allah. Okay? Did you have to sacrifice some of your sleep last night? Maybe some of you did. Or at least this morning. Come on, you did. 
didn't you? You wanted to sleep in, but you can't. Gone are those days when you could stay up late Friday night, when you could stay up late Saturday night, watch a movie, hang out with your friends, because you can sleep in the next day. Gone are those days. You can't do that anymore, at least for the next couple of years. Udu fi sabili, right? And think about what we suffered. So small. It's just sacrificing some sleep. Think about the companions. Remember the battle of Uhud? We have learned it in so much detail in the surah. Fingers got cut off. Hand was paralyzed. Tooth broke off. Not one, but both. Physically injured. Physically wounded. Emotionally hurt. Shaken up completely. Bleeding. That's not something small. Being heard in the way of Allah is not something small. Suffering in Allah's way is not something small. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most appreciative. Which is why when a person suffers even the prick of a thorn in the way of Allah, then Allah rewards him. But what's the condition? That you have to be patient. They went to such an extent that even if it came to putting your own life at risk, for the sake of the religion. They went for it. Look at the companions. Look at their example. So for such people, their sins are forgiven and Allah will reward them with Jannah. And that is the most excellent reward. So what do we see in this ayah? That Allah responds to the dua of who? Ulul albab. The ulul albab, their duas are accepted. And one of the causes of acceptance is what? Takrar fi dua. Constantly asking, not giving up. How many times in these verses do we see that they're seeking protection from humiliation in the hereafter? At least twice. Being saved from the punishment, so many times. Hoping for reward, asking for reward, so many times. Takrar fi dua, repeatedly asking Allah, begging Him. This is something that leads to acceptance of prayers. If you want something from your mother, how many times do you ask her? Once? No. If you want something from your husband, how many times will you ask him? Once? Never. You will ask him to the point that he will be tired of you asking him. You'll ask your mother until she will say, Quiet please. Go away. I heard you. Enough. We ask again and again from people who do not give. But when it comes to asking Allah, we don't repeat. We don't ask again. Don't be shy of asking Allah. If you're shy of asking Allah, Allah will be shy of giving to you. So ask Him again and again. Look at how they're begging, begging, begging. And you know, assuring themselves, إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِعَادُ Allah, you don't break your promise, you fulfill your promise. So Allah responds to the dua of who? Ulul albab. And He gives them reward. Not just ordinary reward, but the most complete reward. How? That He appreciates every effort. And he doesn't just appreciate every effort and reward for the final outcome, but he multiplies the reward as well. This is husn thawab When the reward is multiplied. Then we also learn in this ayah about the fact that suffering in the way of Allah increases reward. If you are in the way of Allah and you're suffering, then be glad. Because inshallah, this will be a means of increase in reward. Yesterday, one of our online sisters, she passed away. She was from the States. And she was the first student to register 
for the first Ta'alimul Qur'an program that was taught in Canada. Her role number was few figures and 001. Then she was the first student to register for the advanced course that was first taught in Canada by Al-Huda. Again, her role number was 001. And then after that, she didn't just stop there, but she helped in conducting many courses, several courses, various, in different ways, whether it was conducting a class or leading the discussion or marking test papers or listening to the lessons of the students. She did it constantly. Since 2005, she was working on this. And yesterday was Friday. And she was also conducting another class. And she was conducting it online basically where she plays recordings. It was break time. She played Suratul Kahf. That was going to be played for at least 15-20 minutes. And during that time, she went to pick up her daughter. And there was a car accident and she died on the spot. She appeared to be online, but she wasn't there anymore. She was doing her work and she died while she was doing it. Because the Surah Al-Kahf was playing, all the students were waiting. They came back, but she didn't. The same day, her in charge received Packages of test papers that she had marked and mailed. She had done her work and submitted it on time. She was gone, but her work came. The point is that life can be over at any time. Any time. So let not the comfort of this world distract you from your purpose. Let not the enjoyment of this world distract you from your main goal. What is important in life is important. You have to do it. And while you're doing it, you suffer. You do get tired. There will be nights when you will stay awake. There will be days when you will not enjoy yourself because you're studying. But this is how life is. Because the fact is that this life is not the place of reward. This world is not the place of reward. Where is the place of reward? In Jannah. That is where husn al-thawab is. If you're striving for luxury and comfort and peace in this life, you're never going to find it. Where will you find it? In Jannah. You can sit for two hours sipping on a cup of tea, but it will never bring you satisfaction. Never. You could sit for three hours watching television, it will never bring you satisfaction. Satisfaction can only be in Jannah. And Jannah you don't get by watching TV. You don't get Jannah by sipping on tea. You get Jannah by doing hard work. So work hard. Do something. Make use of your time. Don't waste any day. Don't waste any moment. Don't delay. Don't defer. Do it now. But it's only people who use their mind and reason, who are alert and conscious, who reflect on the creation, that realize their reality. That I am here for some time. I will be gone very soon. My time is not mine. I don't rule over it. My life, I don't have any authority over it. A mosquito can bite me and I'm done. One car can hit me and I'm done. So don't take this life for granted. Do something. Don't take this knowledge for granted. This information for granted. Do something. And beg Allah. Because Allah responds to the dua of who? Ulul albab. So may Allah give us the ability to really use our mind 
use our reason, reflect and learn and do something to earn Jannah. Recitation. فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ أَنِّي لَا أُضِيعُ عَمَلَ عَامِلٍ مِّنْكُمْ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى بَعْضُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْضٍ فَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَأُخْرِجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ وَأُوذُوا فِي سَبِيلِي وَقَاتَلُوا وَقُتِلُوا لَأُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ وَلَأُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ لَأُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ وَلَأُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ وَلَأُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ ثَوَابًا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ حُسْنُ الثَّوَابِ